I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Utah's source for exclusive access and insights behind the news. Here's the opinion page editor of the Deseret News, Boyd Matheson, on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome back, everyone, to this special Martin Luther King Jr. edition of Inside Sources. I am Boyd Matheson, opinion editor of the Deseret News. Great to be with you today. Uh, and I've been looking forward to this moment uh, all weekend long. Uh, to be joined by our good friend, uh, Reverend Amos Brown, who is the 17th pastor of the historic Third Baptist Church of San Francisco, longtime civil rights activist. Uh, Reverend Brown, thank you so much for carving out some time for us today. Well, it's my pleasure to join with you and your listening audience. Wonderful. On this faithful day of celebrating the 91st birthday of my teacher, friend, and fellow civil rights activist, the late Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr. Uh, well, let's let's start right there. Uh, you were one of the last students to be trained by Dr. Martin Luther King. Give us some of your uh, memories and impression, uh, what that was like. It was an incredible experience of being a man who had such an enviable record but he was a very humble man. In fact, in stature, he was only about five feet seven inches tall. Mm. And that did not give him a Napoleonic <laughs> complex either. He was just an incredible human being. And I am very much blessed to have sat at his feet in a class in social philosophy, with eight students total. It was engaging, enlightening, encouraging, and very much mirrored his uh, empathetic spirit of being with the marginalized and those who had been wronged by public policies of a nation that preached about democracy but did not live democratic principles with African Americans in particular. As, as you look at your, your time with Dr. King, uh, obviously he was an extraordinary orator. He was a man of great discipline and great courage. Uh, what's one of the, maybe one of the lessons that people don't, naturally think about or may have forgotten uh, from Dr. King? 
Well, one particular one that I should never forget is his treatment of Dr. Brightman of Boston University. That's where he got his PhD degree in systematic theology. Mm. But he always expounded Dr. Brightman's theory of personalism. What does it mean? That every human being is a person imbued with worth and dignity. And one should never treat a person wrongly or in a prejudicial way because of any accidental external features. As long as that person was just not breaking the law, it was our obligation morally to respect that person. And that's the reason why, even as a Baptist preacher from Jackson, Mississippi, I supported the rights of gay people. They are deserving of their 14th Amendment, civil and human rights. That's why I support the rights of women to have positions and even to be preachers and deacons in my church. Mm -hmm. Every person is precious, and we should never, never do mean things toward an individual because they have some external features that are different. Yeah, that's... Uh, uh, worship in a different way. Uh, and I always say that the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and African Americans have something in common. One, we were treated wrongly because of the color of our skin. And that Atlantic trade, slave trade, excuse me, was an evil institution. However, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints were treated wrongly because of their religious positions. Under the Constitution, we are supposed to have in this country freedom from religion and freedom of religion. Mm. And I'm one who contends that one should never use his or her religion to ostracize demonize, and definitely to hold back equality of opportunity from any person. Uh, I, I think that's so important. And uh, if you're just joining us, we have Reverend Amos Brown on the line, uh, pastor of the historic Third Black Baptist Church of San Francisco, uh, board member of the NAACP, and really a driving force in forging a relationship with uh, President Russell M. Nelson of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and this wonderful partnership between the two organizations uh, to focus on principles of self-reliance and, and to help lift everyone. Tell me about that. Well, let me say, as I said before, I answer your question, that I have highest regard and respect for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. For they have proven that though at some points along the way, there might have been revelations or understandings that were not in keeping with God's law of love. But each person, and particularly myself personally, has a responsibility to 
accept a person's confession that something was wrong, and that person seeks to make amends, we should all come together and join forces to work together as a team. Many people don't know that even the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, when they used to be called Mormons, and were up at State New York back in the 1820s into the 30s. When Joseph Smith started the church, he was in the vanguard of the abolitionist movement. However, as persons moved westward to the Midwest, like all of us in America, we picked up ways and doings that was just not right. But it is a profound statement. It shows integrity and morality. For under the leadership of President Nelson to reach out to African Americans, our premier civil rights organization, to say, we know there were some things that were wrong, but we made them right. And I think everyone should listen to that today and move forward. But I feel that the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is really the hope of the Protestant Church in America. But too many persons representing that persuasion, unfortunately, have embraced divisive, racist, immoral stances that do not mirror America at its best. Mm -hmm. So for us to work now in inner city communities in the self-reliance program, it means that we are empowering people to be self-reliant by having improvement in financial literacy, building businesses and sustaining businesses, being about educational opportunities for all, reaching out to have intercultural and interracial experiences that will help us to get to know each other better, and more importantly, to make sure that America, America repents of its enslavement of our ancestors and that we have some kind of a reasonable, rational, and responsible expression of reparations. And I feel that this self-reliance program is indeed an example of a form of making amends and doing the right thing. Yeah. Now is the time for us to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with our God. Uh, and that's what our relationship is all about. And I feel that oncoming generations will salute the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints for taking the high road of admission, of reconciliation, and more importantly, they to reinvigorate our communities 
across this nation. Oh, that is fantastic. That are underserved. Yes, indeed. And that is uh, Reverend Amos Brown joining us live from San Francisco today. Reverend Brown, we've got just about 30 seconds left. Uh, and I wanted to uh, let you give us a uh, what we should do today, uh, because we know it's not enough to just talk about Martin Luther King. We we have to act like him uh, if we are going to move the country forward. What's what's your advice, your counsel, just in our last 30 seconds here of what people ought to think different, what people ought to do different today? We need to come out of our comfort zones and become more enlightened on these social, political, and religious issues. We need to be engaged. We need to encourage each other. We need to have empathy for each other. And more importantly, we need to empower each other that we will be one nation under God indivisible with liberty and justice for all. Fantastic. That's uh, Reverend Amos Brown. Reverend, thank you so much for joining us on Inside Sources today. Always appreciate your insight, your extraordinary life and legacy, uh, and the work you continue to do to make a difference for everyone across the country. Thank you so much. Well, thank you for the opportunity. Have a good day. All right. Again, that's uh, Reverend Amos Brown, uh, pastor of the historic Third Baptist Church of San Francisco, noted civil rights leader, one of the last to be trained by Dr. Martin Luther King. Uh, if you missed that episode at uh, this segment of the program at all, please go to our uh, KSL News Radio app, sponsored by Any Hour Services. Uh, you want to listen to uh, Reverend Amos Brown, especially on this Martin Luther King Jr. Day. All right, we'll go ahead and we'll step aside for our final break. When we come back, we'll talk about the final hours of Dr. Martin Luther King. We'll also talk to my uh, friend, Reverend Teresa Deer, uh, and her insight as to what we ought to be doing to move the nation forward. Stay with us on KSL News Radio. KSL News Radio.